I do have to say that a couple things have been bothering me. Number one, I'm 90% sure Lily Sobieski and Chloe Savini are the same person, and they are the female Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton. But more so than that, the only thing that bothers me more than that is you had these two in your back pocket and didn't use them for 69, huh? Yeah, I just, you know, I kind of didn't think about it, really. You know, I think you made the right choice on the start. It would have been real off-brand for these to be yours. <laughs> You're not wrong. I think making it uh, back to school is even weirder. So that that's all I'll say about that. I guess so. I mean, they do both have school in them. One uh, well. has school significantly less than the other. When the final reel is spun and the credits have been run you can count on the wisdom of these two white guys talking film just two white guys talking film Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from a place out in the swamp where guys try to lose their virginity to a place where a guy delivers pizza that he's trying to lose his virginity. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, your host, Ben. And I'm Tyler. How are you, buddy? Uh, I've got a headache. It's really smoky and windy, so I'm sorry if you can hear the wind through the walls, but uh, Mm -mm. other than that, I'm... I'm moderately fine, I think. I'm tired. I've been working mornings. My brain. <laughs> I had to watch Porky's, so. You did. To quote Ewan McGregor in the movie The Revenge of the Sith, you have done that to yourself. It's definitely a self-inflicted wound, but it's like, still I a don't wound. blame anyone that I watched Capone. I, I did that on my own. Oh, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying I... I Porky's was definitely not the movie I expected it to be. Yeah, uh, I, I think in the entire history of time before, well, we'll you know what we'll get into it because we can't talk about that first. We can't talk about that first. No, dear God. Yes, we'll just keep going on. We have to talk about the most captivating thing we saw this week. I saw a little while ago about. I want to say like 11 a.m. this morning. I watched 1996's movie by F. Gary Gray, his sophomore film, Set It Off. Ooh. Have you ever seen Set It Off? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's really well done. Like, and it, you know what it is? It's essentially the movie The Town, but just like with like females instead of males. Like, and it's, it's, it's the essentially the exact same movie. And it's like, I just had the realization, I'm like, can someone just keep remaking this movie like every 10 years like widows did it again it's like four people out of options have to rob something well to be fair widows was based off a miniseries oh was it right we'll see there you go yeah no this movie set it off whips queen latifah's so good in that movie i feel like we don't talk about how good queen latifah is as an actress I was going to say, dude, the year she was up for an Oscar for Chicago, everyone was like, oh, it's Catherine Zeta-Jones. I'm like, should be Queen Latifah. She's way better in that movie. Would, way better in... Oh, yeah, that's true. But I feel like Queen Latifah has had, like, had like a, just a really good 20, 30-year yeah. run. 
Fair. And we just don't oh. talk about how good no. she is. Anyway. No. She runs over 42 nuns in her car, and we all have to can't. I don't know if that's true. I don't think Quentin Latif has ever run over a nun. But yeah, like Vivica Fox is in it, and who God, who else? Uh, oh, Jada Elise. Pinkett. Jada Pinkett. That's right, Kimberly Blair Lewis. Underwood's also in it. Oh, what's his name, too? John C. McGintley? Yeah. He plays, I think, like, what, like, the cop after them? Or? Yeah, he's like, he's like the, he's like the robbery task force. He's essentially reprising his role like a younger version of the guy in Point Break. Like, he's now, Pretty like, much, the guy in Point yeah. Break moved up, his character in Point Break moved up to, a, like, an office, whereas, like, this is, like, the hungry version. Like, this is the case that got him that office, it feels like. Mm-hmm. And then in Seven, he's just starting out as a guy on the SWAT team. It's weird how we could make a John C. McGinley like almost like action franchise be like he's the guy in the background. He comes home from Vietnam in platoon. He I don't I don't know. He he becomes a doctor. No, 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 no. That's that's the lost years. We're only doing action movies. All right. What did you watch? I'm going to give you choices. You want a direct video movie that was surprisingly very good. Do you want just a western or do you want uh the movie where they are uh they're frog f- men people f- i'm trying to make a french joke and it's really not uh, coming together in my brain uh a french movie so direct to video that was better than we thought mm-hmm. uh french movie or a western okay i'm gonna ask you a question about each of them just to kind of narrow yeah, this down a little bit more mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. uh the movie that came out on video and was better than you thought it was going to be what year is it from 1996 okay 1996 also a sequel in a long series of films same question about the french movie french movie came out in 1983 1983 okay and the western revisionist or anti what's what's the genre subgenre I will say it is neither an anti-Western or a revisionist Western. It is a traditional Western. Oh, traditional Western. Okay, perfect. I'm going to go with Hint, Hint, Winky, Winky, the uh, Western. I saw a movie called Blood on the Moon, starring Robert Mitchum. And directed by... uh, It's directed by someone famous. Who's it directed by? It's directed by Robert Wise, director of... Director of West Side Story and a bunch of other movies. Um, It's one of his early films. It was shot at RKO. And in the, like, 40s. So it has, like, a a real noir aesthetic. It's very atmospheric. The story is pretty paint-by-numbers when it comes to Westerns. Robert Mitchum's a man from out of town. He kind of gets caught in the crossfire of these two rival gangs. He's friends with one of them. He, but the people he's friends with might be the bad guys, but he sides with the good guys. And there's also a woman he falls in love with. And that's, you know, like textbook paint by numbers, Western nonsense. But it's that where the movie kind of comes through is in its direction, its camera placement, its atmospheric, like I'm feeling it kind of feels like a noir Western. It's actually, I saw it in a subheading on Criterion that was Western noirs. And it's, yeah, it's pretty solid. I think Mitchum Wise and the cinematographer Nicholas Musaraka help elevate the movie and give it a real sense of place and a real sense of, like, atmosphere. 
just so you know, the cinematographer on 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 uh, Blood on the Moon also shot Cat People and Out of the Past and the uh, oh, Spiral okay. Staircase, the Hitchhiker. Like he basically invented sort of the, the that noir cinematography style. Like he's one of the big guys on it. He started with like Val Luton. Anyway, it's a very good movie. A lot of talented people. It's you know it's pretty paint by numbers, so you're not going to get like a forgotten masterpiece, but it's pretty good. It's worth the 88 minutes. I'll be damned, huh? So you really enjoyed it? I really did. I think it's pretty good. I'm, I'm kind of understanding by saying it, it's pretty good. I think it's I think it's good. I give it like three and a half stars, just so you know where it lands. Okay. It's definitely worth the time. I definitely think it is. A pretty solid quality film for what I thought I was getting, which was going to be like kind of a shitty noir. I didn't really like it wasn't until like it started playing the credits where I was like, oh, fuck, Robert Wise. Like, oh, fuck, that that guy shot it. OK, cool. This, this might be a lot better than I thought it would be. I kind of just I get pressed what... it at random. Interesting. Well, I guess we have to move on. And I picked back to school movies and you, you really took us back to school. Filthy school. Filthy Comedy High was where we're at this week. Go ahead. I'll be behind you just holding my head in my hands. <laughs> what might have been seen as an, a surprising turn for director Bob Clark, 1981, he released a teen sex comedy based in Florida that is probably one of the grossest movies I've ever watched. Just hands-on, just like kind of just one of the just most... Blah, movies I've ever seen. It is also the fifth highest grossing film of the year it came out. It is kind of considered a classic and is a honest to goodness direct line to American uh, pie. Like one to one. Can't have one without the other. That is of course Bob Clark directed and written starring a bunch of people I don't know and also Kim Cattrall is in it for a couple of minutes from 1981. Porkies. Now, Mr. Carter, I know this is completely unorthodox, but I think this is the only way to find that boy. Now, that penis oh. had a mole on it. I'd recognize that penis anywhere. In spite of the juvenile snickers of some, this is a serious matter. But... Seducer and despoiler must be stopped. He's extremely dangerous. And, Mr. Carter, I'm certain that everyone in this room knows who that is. He's a contemptible little pervert who's... Boundbreaker. Well, I'm sorry. But I've got him now, and I'm not going to let him slip through my fingers again. <laughs> now, all I ask that you give me five boys for a few minutes. <laughs> the coaches can be present. Tom Turner and any four boys you see fit to choose. And we... And we... And put a stop to this menace. And it is a menace. Well... What are you going to do about it? Five young boys in the nude. A police lineup so that you can identify his tallywhacker. Uh, please, please, can we call it a tallywhacker? Penis is so personal. Oh, oh. 
penis is so personal. We can put hoods over their heads what? to avoid embarrassment. <laughs> now listen, we have got to do it as distasteful as it is. I know it's him. That Uh, had a mole on it. And that mole is the key to it. Miss Barbara, do you realize the difficulty of your request? Now, I would be very happy to, uh, to apprehend the young man myself. But can you imagine what the Board of Education would say if you were granted a lineup in order to examine their private pa 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 <laughs> They're private parts for an incriminating mole. But, Mr. Carter. Mr. Carter. I think I have a way out of this. We uh, call the police, and we have them send over one of their sketch artists. <laughs> and Miss Ballbreaker. Can't give a description. <laughs> we can put up wanted posters all over school. <laughs> Have you seen this prank? <laughs> Report immediately to be with the ball breaker. Not attempt to apprehend this prick as it is armed and dangerous. <laughs> it was last seen hanging out in the girl locker room at Hangu Beach High One thing that I very that really surprised me about this movie. What is the one thing that really surprised you about this movie? I didn't know it was set in the fifties. I thought it was contemporary. To I didn't. I didn't either. I was sitting there and I'm like, they're driving some weird cars. Wait, wow, what? What type of poor ass Florida town is this? Driving these old fifties cars, and then some guy just drops like a hard end bomb, and I'm like, back the fuck up. What happened? <laughs> That's what am I watching? That makes it work, doesn't it? A little bit. I think if it because was it's, that, it's almost a movie calling out the generation of the generation that's actually going to go see this movie, like the generation before the generation that's going to go see this. All the kids in the '80s went to see this, so their parents would have. This is almost calling those people out and saying, like, "Yeah, you guys fucking parked. You fucked. You guys went and lost your virginity at places like this. It just wasn't talked about." Yeah, I mean, Bob Clark wrote it about his high school experience. He grew up, he was this born in 1939. Yeah. He grew up in Alabama and Fort, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So it's very, I think, not like fully autobiographical, but it's definitely about like he, sort of his experience in high school and like, what he remembers because this is the time that he would be growing up. And it happening, like it taking place in like 1954 was a shock because i was just like okay well i didn't expect porkies to be like a period piece i didn't expect it to kind of be like 
a riff on American graffiti. It really is, isn't it? If that makes sense. Like, I really... Because there was, like, a run there in, like, the late 70s, early 80s, where it was like, yeah, let's, like, set these movies in the 50s, like, when we grew up, like... You have American Graffiti, you have I Want to Hold Your Hand, you have a bunch of others that have been forgotten to time, and Porky's, and Porky's is, like, probably the one that is, like, the least cherished, because it's just like, ugh, like, we was malformed. (laughs) Well, it's almost like they turned down the brightness and also, like, didn't jack up the humor enough. Yeah. Because, like, there's some weirdly serious shit in it, too. We'll get into... I think we should just, off the top, talk about Bob Clark. Because I know Bob Clark as a horror director. I've never really watched any of his comedies. I don't know much of his 80s output. But I'm very fond with his mid to early 70s output with, like... Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, Death Dream, Black Christmas. I've heard Breaking Point is good. I've heard Murder by Decree is, like, interesting... I've had people talk about Tribute being a good movie. I've also seen She-Man, which is like an, a really early uh, like trans film that's like an empathetic, like sort of empathetic. It's still like kind of gross because like they didn't know any of the terminology and it was like years away. But it was like mm. like before trans was like I mean, in let's, let's the zeitgeist. I mean, let's call him what he is. Let's call him what he is. He's a Larry Cohen. Kinda, yeah, up until I think Porky's, and then I, I don't know, something happens in Bob Clark's brain where he's like, I'm just doing comedies now. Because I think it's because after... that movie was so successful. I think he pivoted <laughs> because he's like, oh, oh my god, this worked. Let's try to make it work again. Yeah, he pivots to comedy, does Porky's 2 the next day. He does A Christmas Story, which is, like, I think in the canon. Like, I think that's a canonical film. <laughs> like, What do you mean? It, like, it's probably what people are like. If you went like, what's your favorite Christmas movie? A Christmas Story is one of them. You it's, know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a canonical. I mean, I mean dude, it's Christmas on every movie. year for 24 hours. It's so beloved. It's become cliche at this point to say that. The only thing um, more cliche is saying Die Hard is your favorite Christmas movie. There, I'll I say hate it. it. Yeah. Ugh. Don't say that. I mean, um, we're going to talk about it in December, so buckle up. Yeah, it's fine. We'll pair it with It's a Wonderful Life. Two great Christmas movies. No, um, I'm not watching that again. No. No, 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 no. It's a Wonderful Life is literally a perfect movie. I won't talk about it. But then after that, you have... Not. Like, his career kind of goes off the rails after A Christmas Story. It's Rhinestone, which is, like, a horrible failure. Turk 182, which... I think I've seen, I don't know, From the Hip, Loose Cannons, My Summer Story. And then he starts doing, like, Baby Geniuses and, like, The Karate Dog and stuff like that. And so it becomes, like, a real, like, okay, Bob Clark is no longer, like, the guy making that great movie, Death Dream, which is, like, about the American, like, about losing people in Vietnam and how that like affects a whole community of people. And it's not just the family. It's like literally everyone is affected by these people Mm. that went to war in Vietnam and didn't come back. Like it affected like a whole generation of people making a movie about that to making baby geniuses. And I think his career is stealthily like pretty fucking fascinating. And I think this is like 
Porky's is the demarcation point where it goes from being like a guy who's like trying to make real films to a guy who's like now maybe less so trying to like rehit that Porky's magic. It's I think I find him I find Bob Clark to be a fascinating director. Say what you will. He may have made I've said I think I said it on a previous episode. He may have made the greatest Christmas movie and the greatest anti-Christmas movie. That's a hard thing to pull off. He certainly made one of the I mean he I people talk about how much Halloween like solidified the slasher genre. Yeah. And it's true. I made the slasher genre popular and mainstream. But I think Black Christmas does its fingerprints are all over the slasher genre. Like mm-hmm. I think Black Christmas is almost as influential as Halloween cuz I'm pretty sure Carpenter saw Black Christmas, and I think Halloween oh, yeah. is in some ways kind of a riff on it. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, then it's on too tight. Oh my god, it's one of the most effective trailers I've ever seen. Oh, Black Christmas. Black Christmas, good movie if you've never seen Black Christmas. Bob Clark has one of the... By the way, you want to talk about low-key one of the funniest moments in Bravo's Countdown? Bob Clark has one of the greatest moments. It just hard cuts to the words Black Christmas because they are on to the next, like, number in the countdown. And it just has Bob Clark going, Christmas is a joyous time of the year. Do you just discount all the suicides? <laughs> like, and you're just like, oh, my God. Guy, guy who made Black Christmas and Death Grain. Also made a Christmas also made story. Porkies. And a Christmas story. I think story. that should be our double feature for December, actually. A Black Christmas Christmas story. I think that's pretty funny, actually. It's a pretty funny one, yeah. And I'll say this. If we ever get a Mount Rushmore that hits in December, um, I think we do top four Christmas movies. <laughs> or holiday movies. And we'll just bump whoever is at that moment back. Okay. Unless it's like a zero number, like it's a 200. It's like, no, no, we have to do Spike Lee. <laughs> We're not pushing up Spike Lee. <laughs> yeah. Spike Lee doesn't oh. get bumped for Christmas. <laughs> I mean, with that, well, no, not going to do it. So how do we how do we talk about this movie? Porky's is a movie that made me feel very weird. Um, you too, huh? Yeah, I thought it would be a movie that was. I don't know. I don't know what I thought when I picked it. I thought it was like going to be more. I thought it was going to be less leering and more like American Pie. Where, like, the women are kind of in on it. Like, not in on it, but it's less... This movie... Ugh. It's really hard to put this into words, but I think this movie just flat out just doesn't... Either doesn't like women, <laughs> or it's just like, it's like whatever, just they stand over there. Like, the way it treats the women in this movie, I found very... Uh, yeah. As, yeah. like, either yeah. props or, like, literal objects. Uh, to be honest, you know, that and I'm just like, cool. You know great, who does awesome. this better? You know who does this better? Is yeah. Broken Lizard. Broken Lizard is a better version of this. These guys had to crawl so Broken Lizard could walk. Like yeah. they do the same thing, kind of with the women characters, but they give them a little bit more depth. I agree with what you're saying, but let's be honest, it's kind of about the boys. Literally, none of the women characters I think have any depth to them other than that they are women, or and they're, they're there literally to be a pursued, or yeah, they're there to pretty much just you know. In the, the case of, of male fantasy. Yeah, in the case of one woman, it's literally she is a gag. Like, it is a joke. She is a punchline. Who's um, your favorite character? Uh, 
Ya. One of the car, like the Porky's car, was pretty cool. Um. <laughs> yeah, he does have a cool car. He has a pretty um, sweet car. I mean, I mean uh, who would you say is the main character then? Pee Wee. Maybe. He's pretty funny too. He's pretty funny. He's maybe the least annoying. Maybe like Billy. I don't know if it has like a real main character per se but like it starts with peewee and ends with peewee it doesn't really end with peewee actually ends with a different kid ends with tommy so like i think it's about maybe those three characters and like you have jarvis and meat and kavanaugh's like background dudes but i don't think it really has a main character i think maybe like because even the movie is named after Porky's. Like, it's not named after any of the characters. It's, yeah, it's, it's like... I think it's because Pee-wee's Big Adventure was taken. <laughs> Wouldn't be taken yet. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Somebody told them in Hollywood, you're not naming it that. He goes, why? He goes, we got this young boy. He's going he's gonna to direct a movie with uh, that Paul Rubens guy. He's like, the dude who touched himself in the theater? He goes, how do you know about that? He goes, we hear things in the Hollywood world. Here's what I wrote about it. A raunchy tale about guys trying to help their friend lose his virginity. One of the bigger name in R-rated comedies of the 1980s. The film is funny, but also deeply flawed by today's perspective. Bloated with several scenes that feel loosely held together. That's my biggest problem is the last part. It feels like we just kind of go from sketch to sketch to sketch, and they're all just kind of the same people in the sketches. It it does sort of feel like that, and it never really has a cohesive narrative. And even in the moments where it's supposed to feel like like there is depth, like when one of the boys who hates people of the Jewish persuasion and keeps calling them kites because that's supposed to be funny, it's he doesn't know the actual slur and is calling them kites and then gets corrected to the proper the amount of slurs in this movie i just got it cannot be overstated i thought there would be zero and there was significantly more than zero slurs in this film really you you expected this not to have slurs i expected it to not have like the n-word or like oh, no dude it's the 50s like of the course bob Jewish clark's, and bob like, clark's was... obviously obviously getting away with it like because it's an r-rated movie I totally expected it to have, like, some gay slurs and some homophobia, like, for sure. But I was not expected for, like... It's Florida, like, man. I guess. I guess you're not wrong. It's uh, not the most enlightened part of the country. He, like, trips it, trips the Jewish guy, and they get into a fight, and the Jewish guy wins. Because the guy is like, I'm Jewish. I'm constantly getting picked on. I'm constantly... People are trying to fight me, so I had to, like, get tough, and so I know how to fight. And then it, like cuts to the next day and like the boy who lost the fight to the jewish guy got beat up by his dad and like oh suddenly we're supposed to fit sympathy like oh this fucking guy's dad is the real fucking bad guy and it was like okay all right i didn't hate porkies but at the same time i was like it took me like four hours to watch it because i kept pausing it to do literally anything else it's just one of those i did it it in one sitting I was just like, I can't, I just can't focus on this. It's, it's, it's like just, you know how you call movies Tyler bait? Yeah. This is the opposite. This is like a Tyler re- retractor. <laughs> this is Tyler repellent. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suck on this, you Tyler. Yeah, if you want me to leave. Ah. If you want me to leave, just Ah. throw a copy of Porky's at me. Yeah, I agree with you on that. But, you know, there are some fun moments. I mean, I like the guy who plays Pee Wee. The guy who plays Pee Wee's all right. I mean, he overdoes it a couple of times. I think the, like, big condom scene's pretty funny. I'm just like, what? where did they get this? Did they someone make this? No, no, home? it's like a it's like a joke thing. Like there were joke magazines back then. I understand that, but I was still just like, someone bought that with their money. Yeah, it's funny. It's, I, um, I guess. Like it's yeah, it's a fun scene. I mean, how do we talk about the plot? It's about like seven friends who all kind of like want to lose their virginity, but. They all just keep messing with each other, too, I guess is the best way to put it. And then they run afoul of a guy who owns a nightclub out in the woods on the border of, like, two towns. He lives, it's on the Everglades, not the woods, so. That's right, um, Everglades. It's like the woods, but there's gators. And essentially what happens is they go to that place, they try to pick up a couple prostitutes, Porky's uh, humiliates them, and then... Kicks, they're like, oh, I guess we'll never come back to this place. And then I think one of the kids, the blonde one, tries to go get his money back, and they Porky's beats him within an inch of his life. And so that like sets up like, oh, we gotta get revenge at Porky's. And that is like pretty much the whole plot. Everything else is just hanging out. The movie's divided into two plots: when they're trying to get back at Porky's, and when they're at school. Yeah, and when they're at school, it's it is kind of just sketches it feels kind of like dudes hanging out so your mileage will definitely vary on whether you like dudes hanging out just Um, putting their penises through things pretty much yeah uh you want to talk about the infamous scene uh i well i mean yeah i there's a there's a very infamous scene where there are holes in the girl's shower that the boys like climb into the basement and like perv on the girls while they take showers it's very famous it's it's the poster for christ's sakes it's the poster it's gross it's probably what porky's is known for and ew just ew it's it's just it makes my skin skin crawl i like had a hard time watching that scene you ready you ready oh to make gosh, your skin that's... crawl a little more yeah i'm ready to make my skin you know crawl what, a little more you know what the tagline for porky's is oh god what is it you'll be glad you came Ugh. i hate that it is i hate gross. that so much yeah, that's pretty gross. So, what is your favorite scene? Hmm. And why is it Miss Honeywell barking like a dog? It's, it's definitely not that. Kim Cattrall that's a good really scene. Whoops. I'll give Kim Cattrall credit. She whoops it up. You clearly have a moment where, like, oh, Kim Cattrall's better than literally everyone in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, Kim Cattrall rules. You, I mean, while watching it, you have a moment where you're like, I understand why Kim Cattrall still has a career, and like most of these other people don't, because like in this movie, you're like, oh yeah, she's like, she's the, she's perfect, like she's, you know, like you're like, oh my god, I wish she had more screen time, because like, holy shit, who's that girl? You're absolutely right, it's very bizarre, but what is your favorite scene? My favorite scene... I do like the ending, where the, like, the the climax, where they like, cut down... Porky's and then like throw it in the water and then race back to the county line. I think that's done really well. I also think that's like one of the few scenes where the direction is 
is really, really well done. Coherent is the word I'd like to use. Yeah, coherent. A lot of the movie feels, the direction is, is not great. It feels like Bob Clark was on like a was on like a like a moonshine bender throughout this whole thing. Cause like it just feels like a guy who was like sitting there like at like eight in the morning just being like, just just do just do the funny, okay? Fuck I'm sweaty. Like like I feel like that's what this feels like with him. Like he wasn't like, I don't know. It just, it feels very off, especially considering black Christmas and like a Christmas story feels so impeccably like know what they're wanting to do. Yeah. And even movies like tribute, like, which is not a movie I've seen, but I've heard is very well made. He's like a good craftsman, but like, if you only saw porkies and baby geniuses, you'd be like, this is the worst director that ever lived. You know, I'll give him credit though. He cashed another paycheck. He went and got baby geniuses too. Say what you will. Like, that dude was like, you know, I'm going to get paid again. Fuck them. Yeah, he does Baby Geniuses too. I think he sadly passes away in, like, 2007 due to a car accident, which robs us of more Baby Geniuses movie directed by... more Baby Geniuses movie directed by Bob Clark. But he kind of leaves behind a really just weird career. He has a Haley Joel Osment movie. He does? Yeah, he's a movie called I'll Remember April. Hmm. I have no idea. I've never heard of this movie. It's a movie that does not exist. But yeah, Porky's is interesting. I might attempt to watch the other two Porky's movies just to be like, what I was going to say, save, save them. We can do a double feature called Finish Out a Series, and that's how we can either do Porky's 2 and Porky's Revenge. Or we can do Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. <laughs> Maybe we should do back-to-back. Or we did the uh, that, would actually be, that would actually be a great one. For, you know what? Why don't we make those after the Westerns? Okay, yeah. I don't like think that's... Yeah, well, wait, no, it's Noir-vember. No, no, it's October. What am I saying? Yeah, yeah we, we do the Westerns, that's October. November. And then... December, well, January, here we come. We'll do it late November, because we just do two of the Noir-vembers. That's right, we do. Perfect. And then we'll double up the other sides. So we'll do Noir Vember, one of those, Noir Vember, one of those. Uh, and then, yeah, there we go. Yeah. What do you call that? Okay. Wow. Planned out. Was. Yeah, this movie's so, filmed in, in Ireland. I wonder why. Is um, it? Yeah. Good old Catholic country Ireland doesn't like in Porky's. <laughs> Wait, What? You don't know that Ireland's like a Catholic. Well, it's not holy. No, no, Catholic. I know There's they're Catholic. Wait, you're telling me? Wait, Porky's wasn't filmed in Ireland. No, it was banned in Ireland. Oh, banned in Ireland. Oh, okay. I thought you I said filmed. Why. I was like, no, I don't think it was. Wow, really? This was banned in Ireland, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, good for uh, Bob Clark. He's an outlaw. Was the in 1982, Porky's was the top movie in the United States for eight weeks and was second only to the 16 weeks of that Steven Spielberg's E.T. Extraterrestrial held the number one box office. To be fair, to be fair, E.T.'s pretty amazing. E.T.'s pretty good. Yeah, like E.T. might be perfect. I think this is a movie, like a lot of comedy movies, that time has done a number on. <laughs> And that is one of the problems with this movie is that it's a lowbrow coming of age movie from the 80s. 
And if, like, American Pie has had some moments where that doesn't age well, Porky's is going to have moments that age even worse since it came out, like, a whole almost two decades before American Pie. So, yeah, keep that in mind. I, I will also issue a correction. It's not currently banned in Ireland, but it was banned for 19 days in 1982. Hmm. Well, I'll be saying this. What's the hardest thing to walk off about this movie? I will say, unlike another 80s movie that was really popular and also a coming-of-age comedy, there's no direct references to assault or the hard R word, not unlike a movie called Revenge of the Nerds, which has a moment like that. So that's good. But I think the worst thing is probably that one of the characters is a racist and says hard N-word within the first five minutes of the movie and that i was just like whoa okay and also the movie's just like really blatantly sexist in ways and just like just like low-key hateful towards women it's not a fun time plus that ending is also like excuse me so if i'm hearing you correctly your biggest problem with the movie is the movie pretty much yeah yeah it's a real self-inflicted one guys this is me stepping on a landmine that i put down for myself God, it's uh, and there's yeah, there is no one to really root for. It's so weird. This is almost like a, a just a gross version of Dazed and Confused. Yeah, you're not wrong. So I just want to say, Clark eventually attained financing from a Canadian film company in Canada. So he got the government tax benefit from the '80s. That meant Clark, who was the who was an American, got sole screen credit as writer. However, labels blah 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 blah. This movie made. Almost $200 million worldwide and was made in, like, a tax shelter. So, like, the people who made it are... Bob Clark didn't have to work for the rest of his life, essentially. Like, yeah, that's probably why he started doing comedies. I mean, it makes sense. So that I think that kind of shines a light onto why he, like, his career pivots so completely. Because, like, he made a lot of money from this and everybody involved probably made a pretty chunk, fair chunk of change off of this movie. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it was made for nothing. It was made for four to five million, but all of that was paid for by Canada. Yeah. Holy crap. He called his shot, man. ended up making almost $200 million. Yeah. 200 million minus five million is $195 million. That's a lot of money, even by today's standards. What would you pair this with? I mean... You kind of stepped on it at the beginning there. American Pie. I mean, you, you are absolutely... <laughs> okay. No! Yes, American Pie. What? Yeah, you're, you're doing the Michaels thing. You're overselling it. We talked about this. Yeah, I mean, you are absolutely correct in what you said at the beginning. There is not one without the other. American Pie is a little more coherent. I think American Life, American Pie makes more sense because it's it's like a group of dudes being like, we're going to lose our virginities uh, before graduation. And like, that makes more sense. It's like a narrative. There's <laughs> like a propulsion to that. Porgus is just like, it's a bunch of loose sketches about kids growing up, dealing with racism, dealing with uh, anti-Semitism. <laughs> oh, the guy, who plays, the guy who plays the Jewish kid. Um, yeah. he's Denunzio in Caddyshack. That made me so happy. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, he's the one who's like, he's like, hey, Newman. 
My friend, you have no idea how long I've been waiting to beat you. What do you give it? Give us a solid two stars. Hey, we're right on the same page. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. One more and we complete the Triforce with two. (laughs) I I don't know. Shut up. I'm so tired. (laughs) This is a sleepy cast, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, Well, what are we watching next? Watching next, we're we're digging into that that, uh, Golden Globus uh, 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 canon. Canon, again. The canon canon. We're looking at a 1982 film uh, directed by an Israeli man named Boaz, Boaz Davidson, or Davidson. It is him remaking his 1978 Israeli film Eskimo Lemon, a.k.a. Lemon Popsicle, which was pretty ginormous success in his, uh, Israel. Translating it from its original setting in the 50s to modern-day suburban Los Angeles, which doesn't wholly work um it's i watched it for the first time last year and i kind of bugged ben to watch it and he didn't so i forced him and so that is of course 1982 the last american version Oh, 
mujer que conserva el embrujo de los ojos moros. De sueño rebelde y fitada, cubierta de flores. Y beso boca de clara, jugosa danzada, que me hablan de We just happened to be in the neighborhood, and I thought we'd bring you some extra pizzas. Oh, you're friends of my muchacho? Good, good. We have a pizza party. Come in. You know, we talked about taglines in the last one. You know what the tagline for this one is? I think I'm looking at it, and I think it's great. What is it? See it or be it. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> That's actually pretty clever. I actually... Uh, That's pretty solid. I like that. I don't know. You, I don't know. You'll be glad you came is pretty fucking funny by a dirty by a dirty. You'll be tagline. glad you came. There's another tagline from, like, one of the other posters that's really terrible, where it's like... Which one? Keep an eye... It's like, keep an eye out for the be- one of the best growing coming of ages movies of all time oh the porky's like, one that's too many words yeah i believe the one you're thinking of is keep an eye out for the funniest movie about growing up ever made that's it it's bad you could have left it at growing up it would have been perfect if it was at growing up but they put ever made ever made the last got the last american virgin yes it does <laughs> yes yes it does it's um, a really good soundtrack i some okay oh, so our friend Mallory came over and she's doing Brielle's hair and she also cut my my beard today. So I have my beard's Ooh. nice and trimmed now. It's yeah, it's very nice actually. And I asked her straight up, I said, Hey, may I ask you something? Or she was like, she's like, How's the podcast going? And I was like, I was like, It's good, it's good. And she said and she said, What are you and she goes, Are you doing it today? I'm like, Yeah, today we are discussing and I said porkies, and I was like, Imagine American pie, but somehow even worse and she goes oh and i'm like yeah kind of and i was like we're also doing the last american virgin and she's like what's that like and i'm like imagine like john hughes but if you took out all the charm kind of like (laughs) and not in a bad way like that you made like a hyper realistic john hughes movie yeah that's i i I agree i think it i think it the last american virgin i was like the way the person was talking about it on Twitter was, like, very passionate and very much, like, it is a fucking absolutely bugfuck movie that is a very real look at being, like, a teenager and how messy and how bad you can be to one another and how it, like, kind of, like, tramples your feelings and how, like... (laughs) and, And, like, how gross you can be being a teenager. And I was like, I don't believe this. And then I watched it and I was like... Oh shit! Like this is like yeah, like if John Hughes was like had more of an edge, like a real rough, mean kind of spirited edge, but like still like an edge to him. I think this movie's Loki kind of great. 
even with its a lot of it, it also is pretty sexist. But like, I think the point is that the boys are sexist, and it's kind of like you're not really supposed to. Well, you do kind of like them, but like uh, this movie, uh, we'll talk about it. I kind of love this movie. Oh, it, it's it's very fascinating because at one point, like, uh, oh, and wait till you hear what I have to pair it with. I'm excited. Wait, yeah, you should be. You should be. Because you're getting a story, too. Story of Angry Ben. He came out oh. yesterday during this movie. Oh, boy. We've had a day to quell this shit, but there was a moment where I, I fucking flipped out on this movie. I haven't done it in a long time. Felt really good. So, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, there are three friends. This is what this movie does better than Porky's. It trims it down to three people you focus on. Instead of, like, a gang, it's, like, like just, seven. like, tight. Yeah. There are far too many. I only remember Meat because he's so big and Pee-wee because he's so small. Yeah, I only remember the <laughs> one. The movie should have been like, called The Adventures of Meat and Pee-wee. I would have watched that. Meat and Pee-wee. Meat and Pee-wee versus Porky's. I think this movie is actually more of, like, loosely sketched and, like, less of a plot somehow than Porky's. The plot pretty much is there's a love triangle between Karen, the main female, Gary, the main male who has like a total crush for Karen, and Rick, who's kind of a dick. And then there's also <laughs> David. Who's... I didn't mean that to rhyme. He's, it the, rhymed. We'll he's the fat friend. <laughs> yeah, you have, you have Joe, who's fat friend. <laughs> I mean, I will say, like, I saw him and I was like, oh, Jonah Hill is so lucky they've never tried to remake this movie. And I like Jonah Hill, I'm just saying, but if they had made this movie back at his super bad time, he would have been that guy. Yeah. Yeah, he would have. He really would have. Or the guy who says, ask me about my wiener, and accepted. That guy got his whole lunch, his whole lunch, dinner, and breakfast the next morning eaten by Jonah Hill. Dude, I think that is Jonah Hill in that movie, because Jonah Hill's in Accepted. That is Jonah Hill. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) I think at one point there were two Jonah Hills and one killed the other. I think the ben serious Affleck. Jonah Hill killed killed comedy Jonah Hill. Ben he was, Jonah Hill was murdered by Jonah Hill. You just accuse him openly. I think I have to not only quit the podcast, but also quit his life itself. Well, it's you and me, Ash. I just hear you go through a window. I'm like, oh my god. Oh, my God, that is so funny. (laughs) Boy, you have never made a faux pas that bad. (laughs) And I can't wait to break it down to a text tone to send to you. I'm very tired. I know what you're saying. And Louis Black is in that movie. (laughs) It is Jonah Hill. I knew it was Jonah Hill. Why did I think it was not Jonah Hill? Because he's chubby, that's why. He's he's he is a little bit chubbier in that movie than he, he would be. It's the first photo on IMDb. That's what's gonna hurt you the most. <laughs> like it's literally if you go down to photos, it's the first one because it's so oh, boy. Except it is a movie that doesn't exist. It does. I saw it in theaters. I think it was there while I was. I mean was it working. does, but like I mean, it does. It definitely exists because I've also seen it. But, like, there's no one. No one knows what accepted. When I said accepted, everybody had, like, a... Like, a, oh. <laughs> like an audible, like, oh, God. Why are we talking about So, accepted? 
Rick, Karen, and Gary. There's this love triangle, I guess is the best way to put it. It's more or less a love line with one guy, like, staring at one dots on the line. <laughs> and less of a triangle. Oh, God, he is just constantly looking. You know what the worst part about it is? And what? I gotta tell you, you played your cards really close to the uh, close to your chest, not telling me Kimmy Robertson was in this movie. I wanted you to. I wanted you to find out. That's so great. It's such a great reveal when she shows up. I'm like, oh, hot be damned at number thirty. It's Kimmy Roberts. She's come to play, and she is horny as hell. <laughs> is Kimmy Robertson on the big board? Ding. <laughs> She just shows up and she that's the worst part about this. She legitimately wants to fuck him. Yeah. And he can't see it because that siren Karen has yeah. just fucking buffaloed him. Oh, I hate this movie. Yeah, I can't stop watching. He's a pizza delivery boy. He's a pizza delivery boy. And oh. it's there's there's some sexual misadventures with him delivering the pizza. Um, the multiple scenes that I was like, you can cut one of these out. You don't need both of them. Um, I, I never, I'll say this. If I did remake this movie, I would tell Jonah Hill, you got to show your ass. Like when that guy bangs <laughs> that girl through that keyhole, he shows his ass. So you got to do it. He shows his ass, I think multiple times. I think he, he does, I think for really. a movie in like the first 15 minutes, minutes, he, his ass is already out. Also like why make like ugh, the, the first three girls they meet are just baffling. So I'm gonna lay it out right now. If you if you don't want to watch this movie after you hear like what the first scene is, I totally understand. It's literally like the dudes like trying to convince to go to one of the girls' house by saying they have cocaine, which they don't. They have sweet and low, which like okay. And then when they get to the house, like they all separate off with one of the girls, and then. Like, there's, like, some high... Fucking some shenanigan happens. It's been a while the since I've seen it. I didn't get a chance to watch the full movie. And then the parents come home, and they all have to scatter out. It's the cocaine bit that I was like, oh, okay, what? Yeah, it's very weird, right? <laughs> Excuse me? It never um, goes that hard again until the end. It never goes that edgy until the end, although there is, like... They sleep with, like, a prostitute and get crabs, which I think at the time That's in the 80s one, was, like... Yeah was like pretty dark and we but it wasn't it? played as dark i mean you got to give credit the guy who sells him the medicine is so funny <laughs> he's pretty funny he's like whoa ho, ho, boys will be boys you all got crabs must uh, oh ho, 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 you take a comb and you gotta do this little gel on the comb thing i thought it was pretty funny that's a he laughs right gross in their face. exaggeration he does he goes you're idiots <laughs> let me get you pretty much let me get you the thing I think what's interesting is that this is a remake, and the remake took place in the fifties. Yeah, talk and about it, that. Have you seen Have you seen the original? I haven't seen the original, but I know that the original spun off like seven films in the like Lemon Popsicle. Fucking, there's like a whole six or seven films called Lemon Popsicle. More than that, holy shit! Seven official sequels have been made. One of them directed by the original director called Going Steady. And then a bunch of them are all just spin-offs and sequels and stuff like that. And it's remembered uh, primarily by people in America as having like a very um, like amazing soundtrack, just full of like 
Bill Haley music, Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis Presley, Chuck Berry, Golan, who uh, one of one of the who was a producer in Israel at the time, said that the movie costs more in just licensing music fees than it did in making the movie itself, which I think is pretty interesting because the Last American Virgin, the American movie, is also pretty widely remembered as having a fucking banging soundtrack that must have cost a lot of money with bands like The Police, with Devo, Oingo Boingo's on it, The Cars are on it, U2's on it. It has, like, Aria Speedwagon, Blondie, The Human League, like, in the movie. And the reason that is, there's also a car song, I should mention that, is because the music, one of the music supervisors, one of the people who helped do the music, was Debbie Harry, lead singer of Blondie, and she got in a lot of that, like, L.A., like, punk and new wave stuff in at the time. And I think that's one of the movie's lasting legacies. And we'll talk about one of the other lasting legacies of this movie, which is its surreal ending in a little bit. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh. But the guys at Canon, Golan Globus, they thought this was going to be like an American lemon popsicle. They were like, we're going to have like seven of these movies. They're going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. We'll live like kings for the rest of our lives. And this movie came out and the American public were like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Where are the jokes? Yeah. I couldn't really find any contemporary reviews of the time it was released, which shows how little of a reputation. But I've seen like a lot of like reappraisals of like, yeah, I guess. You know what this is doing? Yeah. It's so funny. This comes out the same year as last year's Back to School's Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It's doing yes. kind of the same thing, but it's only from one person's perspective as opposed to, like, multiple. Yeah, whereas Fast Times at High is, like, kind of like an Alman-esque riff on yeah, the high school exactly. Experience. Um, and um, significantly better. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, Fast Times might be a perfect movie, whereas, like, but it's so funny because this kind of is doing the same thing. It's that almost, like, we're going to show you it, and it is funny. Like, that's the thing. That is almost the thing. It's like people showed up to this being like, all right, we saw Fast Times. This is going to be pretty... The fuck are the jokes? Where's Spicoli? This guy's sad. Where's the ha-ha funny man? And I I think the movie's marketed as a sex comedy, but it's kind of not for the most part. Like, it is... It is a sex comedy, but like it has, it wants to sort of also be a dramatic feature. And also, all the kids look like they're out of the 50s, which doesn't make any yeah. goddamn sense because movie's set in 1982. It doesn't make sense, you're right, but they're all dressed like that. Their names shouldn't have been Golan and Globus, it should have been Goofus and Galonk with this one. Jesus, they messed up. It's so weird, too, because like this is early in the canon career. I'm sorry, that was a, that was a very weird joke. I laughed a lot. I had, I was on mute, so you didn't hear the start of the laugh, but I, I cut in. It was, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, the fucking idiots. Like, yeah, like, fucking, oh my god. But, like, they're, they're fucking idiots with this one. I mean, like, so what, let me ask you this. What is your, what is the funniest scene to you? Funniest? It's a weirdly subjective word. Traditionally funny, or, like... Whatever you, whatever strikes you is funny. Okay. I think one of the funnier scenes is when they're in the car making out and the car shifts and then it cuts to a song that I've only ever used as like a joke. It's a song I really like by the Gleaming Spires 
called Are You Ready for the Sex Girls? And I'm like, I've always kind of like pointed it to like, oh, this is like a really stupid, weird 80s song that's kind of poking fun at like stupid, weird 80s songs. But the movie uses it like sincerely. And like, it's weird. Like, it's so weird to me, that scene. And it causes me to laugh a little bit out loud because I'm just like, are you ready for the sex worlds? Is it empirically a very funny song? Because they shoot pool, they tie off their own clothes, they do dances that nobody knows. Are you ready for the sex girls? What yeah. does that mean? <laughs> anyway, I, I find that scene pretty funny. I personally find the scene where he shows up to the abortion clinic with a tree and a bushel of lemons very funny because I'm just like, what the fuck? Isn't it um, oranges? It's oranges. It's he still has like a tree, like a small tree. I think the tree is that's, for Christmas. That's, yeah. Right. But why oranges? Is this a I'm, is this a thing? I'm I don't know. Is this like an Israeli custom? Well, this is this, uh, this is my favorite line. This is my favorite line from Seinfeld, where they go to the Japanese like TV station to try to pitch Jerry the show. And they bring them oranges because Kramer tells them that, like, Jerry would be a rare fruit over there, like the orange, which is obviously not true. And the guy in Japanese goes, why did they bring us the bag of oranges? Yeah. <laughs> I just remember watching that scene for the first time. I was like, so why does he got oranges? And, like, I remember, like, looking up, like, why oranges in this scene and no one could figure it out. The only thing that they can possibly think is that it's just a like there are definitely moments where like no one translated this like Israeli custom into English and so it just like is in like it's just all of a sudden is an American movie and like you're kind of like what <laughs> and it's just, like, it is really it is really this guy's psycho isn't it he adapted everything he probably had that orange and tree thing in the original I would assume so I need to watch the original I, so I don't think seen, we should do an okay. episode on the original, but maybe like a small like bonus episode sometime. Lemon popsicle, or man, I sat through that, huh? I think it's on it's YouTube. The same damn movie. I think it might be the same damn movie because what I looked up, it, like the plot is plot. The look, picture, the picture for lemon popsicle is is three guys standing there, and they all look very similar to other people we've seen. What's weird is Burroughs Davidson doesn't have a very good career as a director he's pretty okay pretty solid middling career as a director but as a producer he's produced like 16 blocks the wicker man remake that we watched the black dahlia the expendables expendables 2 so he's got money he executive produced the most recent rambo which is uh, um you know oh this dude's a producer now he's he's moved into the producing Oh, dude, if he produced all the Angel Has Fallen movies. Did he produce that? He did. It's not did. showing up on, on Wikipedia. So, yeah. Yeah, he Thank produced you. all those. Yeah, he's doing just fine. Ooh, yeah, he produced the fine. Paperboy. Yeah, you heard me. Oof. You want to talk about him? Or... We... No, no, no. 2012's The Paperboy. Oh. Peeing on the leg, Paperboy. Yeah. That happened in that movie's ladies and gentlemen. Uh, movie in... Oh, if you want to talk about it, pick for 69. <laughs> Is it like Nicole Kidman pees on Zac Efron? Yeah, that happens. It's a good movie, actually. It's kind of underrated. Weird Lee Daniels movie. 
<laughs> Lee Daniels, the paper boy. Yeah, that Lee Daniels. Uh, the title push? goes right into the tagline. Of Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. And I think it's the Jade, Butler thing. Actually. Lee Daniels. One for him, one for no one else. Yeah, that's that's what the paperboy felt like. It's like this is I love for me. I kinda like it though. Matthew McConaughey's weirdly good in it. I'll have to watch it. Because I've heard people talk about how it may not be a great movie, but it's definitely an interesting movie. Have you seen Nocturnal Animals? Yes, that is also of the, the it may not be a vibes. great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gives me those vibes. I did not like Nocturnal Animals, but I'm like, I could pick apart that for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, it's like Try Hard David Lynch, okay. Like, that movie was bad, but I'm full, so. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't feel great, but I'm full. Like, I'm not going to be hungry till tomorrow. Might not sleep well. <laughs> I might have just ate some loose garbage, but I'm, I'm definitely full. Speaking of loose garbage, this ending to this movie. Yeah, Rick, his prick friend, knocks up. Just, the, well, we should say that the movie just, like, really paints it out to be, like, such an asshole. Oh, he is. He's absolutely an asshole. Oh, Rick, his rich friend, or his prick friend, um, knocks up Karen, the girl he's lusting after, and he takes her to get an abortion. Because Rick won't and, do it. Yeah, because Rick won't do it. It's very much the scene from, like, Fast... Once again, it's a Fast Times thing. Like, it's kind of a, the yeah. One dude, yeah. Holy shit, this is like if all of Fast Times was based around, like, the Jennifer Jason Lee plot. Sort from of. The guy's it's, also, it's also loosely translated from uh, Google Translate from Israeli or from Hebrew into English. Yes. He brings her the stuff and then him and Rick kind of have it out. And then like she's like all thankful. By the way, he puts her up at his grandmother's house. Like he does a lot for her. He does a lot. And then the movie pays off in not the way he thought it would. He comes through the door at her party, and it's like, he's going to be the stud. She's going to embrace him. And she's there fucking kissing Rick. And then it just, and, like, cuts it, him in the car, and he's crying, and there's sad music playing, and it's the end of the movie. <laughs> and I just went, and I just went, oh, fuck you, bitch. I was like, you fucking bitch. Like, I know you're allowed to love whoever you love, but God damn it, you know how he felt about you. And you fucking do him that way, you fucking bitch. You should have like let him down like easy. Hellfire. Uh, should have let her down easy. But like also, Gary, eh, I don't know. It's high school. He'll get over it. No, no. <laughs> she knew, and she did nothing to spare his feelings. At very <laughs> least, she should have spared his feelings. That is the other I, name of the show. I will say, if this movie had had ended now, he it, the well, I guess like, I guess he can't shoot up a school because it's all Zoom now, but. It would definitely be like a Reddit insult type <laughs> moment. The credits! It's just him going to everyone's house in 2020 and just shooting each of them on sale. Yeah. Yeah. Oh that's, a, that's, a, that's like the darkest ending I've had. It's a bad timeline. That's like when, when you, in a video game when you fail to like get anything good. It's just like, oh, that's oh. like the super bad you you go from you go from casually walking on the streets of Vice City to going to five stars immediately. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's what oh that ending God, is. That's so funny. Oh, just mowing it's... down on Zoom. 
Oh God, that would be the funniest 2020. Like you'd just be like, you'd be like, oh God, this used to be so much easier. I like the idea of, of this year's man. Oh, God, I'm like really parched. This is a lot of work going from house to house. Like, I got to look up the addresses. I got to public transit to places. It's like, and also, like, after he does like the third one, he's, he's driving. And he goes, he goes, God, it's going to take forever to get to James's house. I mean, he's a real prick and he's going to get it. But, oh, oh, what is this? What is this traffic? Why are police around here? What's, what's going on? <laughs> oh, come on. What is this? Yeah, officer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know what you don't get your fucking hands on. You just hear like gunshots and it just goes. To I thought you were gonna make a joke of like, oh man, should I take like city streets or like fucking take the highway? No, it's oh, like back Because like, after the third one, they see him on Zoom and they're like, oh, it's this kid. Where's the next closest place he can go? Uh, that's gonna be the next unfriended. Oh God, no! Because it's a comedy in my head. Like it'll never be serious to me now. I just imagine it being like the Laura Palmer scene in the first Terminator, where it's like, uh, you mean Sarah James Connor? House? Sarah Connor. Fuck. Flip oh, the table like, over. Let's get to the I was ending. Like, Terminator. Uh, it's like the scene in Sarah Connor where he just oh, keeps yeah. going, like, "Are you Sarah Connor? <laughs> Are you no, James?" Every time he doesn't even try to knock. He just breaks in the house and shoots them on Zoom. It's the only way the plot sticks together. Yeah, she fucks him over. Fuck her. It's pretty great, though. I kind of love the ending. It's such a sucker punch. You do love a down ending, don't you? I do love a downer ending. And it's, I mean, <laughs> it's a very down ending. That's pretty good. I don't know. I, something about it the first time I watched it. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. It's shocking. Like, you don't see it coming. You really, really don't. What would you pair this with? What would I pair this with? Well, I said the ending really enraged me, and I haven't gotten enraged like that in a long time. The last time I got that enraged, I had just had my heart stomped on, and not nearly as bad as I thought it could ever be, as the time a girl named Judith stepped on my heart and broke up with me and then started dating someone else I worked with like a couple days later, as the time I dry-ran the movie 500 Days of Summer. Oh boy, howdy, did I lose it on that movie too at the very end when she's like, we j I just always wanted to be friends. It's like, fuck you, bitch! I hope you die! Hope Joseph Gordon-Levitt fucking kills you on Zoom! In your brain, in your dreams, with his Inception machine! Fuck you, Zoe Deschanel, and your stupid face! So yeah, that was the only other time I've really raged out on a movie in this capacity. But I think 500 Days of Summer. It's a good uh, good matchup. I think that, I think that could work, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it will work. Yeah, no, I think I agree with you. I think it would be a weird pairing. But, but the thing is, you can only be a white cyst male if you, if you pick up both of those movies at our video store. Like, you have to be. It's just a rule. Yeah, net falls on you, I think, is what happens. No, if no, 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 no. No, no, we're not going to re-educate them. They can rent them if they want. The only rule is you got to be a white cis male to rent both of those movies together. It's like a one in a thousand shot that anyone's going to rent those two together. I'm not going to drop a net on him. Shame on you. You can rent whatever I you got want. All these, I got all these nets in the store. What am I going to use them for? You're going to use them for what we need them to be used for. Just right, reenacting Planet of the Apes. Yeah, well, okay, I'll make you a deal. If you wear a monkey mask when you do it, if the guy rents it, then you can do it. Anytime you want to, you don't even get yeah. you don't even get monkey mask fully out, and I'm just shooting the nets in a monkey mask. <laughs> Where did you get that monkey mask? You would have had to order it. And he goes, I think he was planning for this contingency. I think he's looked at every movie that has nets in it. <laughs> ah! 
I'm just in the net. I go, I wonder what would have happened if I would have said he had to wear a Robin mask because his parents died without the nets being up in uh, Batman Forever. And I just turn, you just have the monkey mask on, but also a Robin mask on. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'll be damned. I think he's watched every movie that have nets in it. And I'm just like, what Batman if you had been? I move. T- I'm inside your head. I just go, what if it had been I turn, you're just dressed as Sandra Bullock in the net, but you're still wearing the monkey mask? Uh, hot, hot, uh, good news for everybody. They made a direct-to-video sequel of the net in, like, 2006. So, sorted out what you watch for the week. No, I will not. What do you give this? Like I said, I have a soft spot for this movie. I think it's really weird. I, th- I like that it's kind of like this odd artifact of the 80s that doesn't really hold a lot of sense. Um, uh, it is definitely a cult movie, and I'm in said cult. Um, I give it four stars. Wow. I give it three and a quarter. I was genuinely not expecting that good of a rating. No, it's actually a very well-made movie, and it's just like... It's it's a rougher version of Fast Times. That's kind of what it reminds me of, and that's why I like it. There are good things to it. There are also just things that do not age well. Why do they all go to that woman's apartment and she just lets them bang her? I don't know. Ben, that's the thing that happens in this movie. Oh. It's it, it. Don't try and make sense of this movie. Just kind of just 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 enjoy the weirdness. Ugh. Well, I guess that brings us out of the back to school. We've once again graduated again, and... Red uh, bell sound. A pomp and circumstance is playing. Exactly. Yeah, and the Macho Man is there. Oh, yeah. Oh, you graduated. Oh, cream of the cup, raised to the top. You got your diploma. <laughs> I hate Hulk Hogan. He does. I mean, wouldn't you though? Kind of. I also hate Hulk Hogan. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, man. like, I mean, like, I mean, like, the Macho Man is everything Hulk Hogan is, but he can also tell a story in the ring. Like, yeah, it must, it must be infuriating to be the Macho Man. He can paint a picture in the ring. Oh, dude, he's amazing. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's he great. was a guy who was born to wrestle. And that's Pretty our new spinoff yeah. series: Born to Wrestle. Lenny Poffo, not so much. That's a real twin situation where one of them got everything and the others just kind of got a mouth on him. <laughs> Lenny Poff is a really good talker. He should have been a man. He is. Ugh. But takes us out of it. And what are we what are we doing next week? Next week we are doing westerns, big old wide open canyons sometimes. Other times less so small. Wide open range. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. I'm we're doing uh, westerns. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I just Googled the word Western movies and I think you pretty much nailed this one. Uh, I don't even know if I should tell you. I should just let you come back next week. So good. I, I need to watch the movies. Oh, that's right. That's right. You do, don't you? That's right. I guess you'll have to hear it. So they'll have to hear it. From 2010, we're going to take a little movie that two brothers named the Coen brothers did. Ah. And it stars Haley Steinfeld. And it stars Jeff Bridges. And it stars Matt Damon. And it stars Barry Pepper. And it stars Josh Brolin. And it is the one, the only, a movie that I will contend is better than the thing that is being remade from. True Grit. Ooh. Okay. 
And then we're going to take two steps into the future, two years. We're going to watch a little movie where Quentin Tarantino talks to us about slavery and all the things wrong with it and kind of rewrites history again because I really feel we did him dirty on his Mount Rushmore and one day we're going to correct that. But for now, we're going to make it up to him by talking about Django Unchained. I will say True Grant almost made my best of the decade list. It came at like 12th, I think. Right, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. It was up there. I really like True Grant. Jan- I'm, a, I'm excited and Django to was, it. And Django was high on my list in the in the decade. But yeah. it was uh, not well, on there either. Good. Yeah, I haven't seen it since the theaters when I was extremely Dude, stoned for the I'll, first I'll, hour and a half. Say, I believe that not unlike Gone Girl, this has argument for at least in the supporting actor category. There are three people in the supporting actor category. One got nominated and won. But there are two others who should have been nominated. I will argue this may be Leonardo DiCaprio's best performance. It's definitely up there. This might be Sam Jackson's best performance. Not just that. Hold on. Sam Jackson's best performance in a Quentin Tarantino movie. And yes, I am fully aware that Jackie Brown is a movie that exists. Like, that's how good this performance is. This might be Jamie Foxx's greatest performance. There, I've said it. Like, that's how good I think this movie is. All right. Well, we'll get into it next uh, oh, next, we next week. Next episode. We will. You want to pick Westerns next year? Please, please, for the love of God. <laughs> oh, you're excited about True Grit. You be quiet. <laughs> I think I've had, like, a, a Western bearing in my head since the first time we had Westerns, and I've just, like, never been able to get to it. Well, then I'll have to ask you to do Westerns, like, at some point when it's, like, you know, not this time. Guys, you can follow us at TWGTFPod on Twitter. You can follow me at ET Critic for the empty theater critic anything they can follow or plug for you tyler no uh i would would say go outside but currently the west coast is uh on fire and it's smoke everywhere so stay inside stay breathing fresh air yep and for twgtf two white guys talking film i've of course been your host ben and i'm the last american virgin and remember guys if you come into our store and you see three guys looking through holes through the wall well that's just because i've drilled those out and that is where you can see movies for only a quarter at a time it's like a peep show but you only see a movie there's no nudity behind there so don't think they're doing something weird that's just a service we provide at the video store and we sanitize those eye holes every hour see it or be it just two white guys talking film are you ready for the sex girls?
I, I want to just point this, I just want this before you turn off the recording. We didn't talk about how in The Last American Version there is a kid who is peeping on the, the girl's shower and the movie immediately is like, this guy's a fucking creep, right? <laughs> the movie's well, like, that's well, a really weird, creepy thing to do. Well, not only that, not only that, also then turns out he has nine and a half inch cock. Yeah, but it does also immediately give him the biggest dick. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Anyway, I I just wanted to... You could could throw that somewhere in the edit, hopefully, but yeah. I'll figure it out. Well, we'll just tell your mother that uh, that, uh, we ate it all. Well, you stepped on my what I'd pair this with, so I guess we'll just put this clip at the end. (laughs) You act surprised when I say it.
Okay, I'll, I'll, I will exit ways. Let me type up the last oh, American. Oh, so I mentioned like. that at the beginning, huh? Oh, he's not going to sell it at all. It's going to be like Shawn Michaels <laughs> in the mid. He's not going to sell nothing. Right, what if um, I do the Shawn Michaels, uh, uh, Hogan, Shawn Michaels, where he's flopping all over the ring? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Oversell. <laughs> oh, my God. I what didn't even see that coming. Thing. Oh. I've just lost my mind. Here, hear this. And we just edit in a sound of someone throwing a dog off of a roof. You go, I just threw my dog out the window. <laughs> <laughs>